Welcome to the Football Game Plan Radio Network, where football makes sense. I'm Chris James, your host of this week's, week seven of the college football seasons, five and five. Now, if you're not familiar with the show, it's your first time listening. I take five college games. I make a prediction on each. In under five minutes, I'll cover an overview of the game, the outlook for the away team, the home team, keys to victory for each team, as well as, like I said, my prediction, and give you a little bit of a betting advice with the final score, the line on the game, who covers, as well as the over-under. If you ever want to ask me any questions, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is CJFlorida9. So, I go in order of the time of the game. Usually, I start with a Friday night game, but this week, that Friday night game, which I actually thought wouldn't go exactly that way, but 35 points is a lot to handle, folks. 35 points is a lot to handle. Uh, And Louisville and Duke really had one of those contests that you know, it is a trap game by definition to some. But I'm going to start with the Saturday contest and a lot of good 330 games. So let's start there. Uh, the number 10 Nebraska Cornhuskers travel to Indiana to face the Hoosiers. This will be played Saturday, October 15th at 330 p.m. It's likely going to be on ESPN2 or ABC. Check out either depending on the area of the country you're in. So, this will be a very evenly matched contest between veteran-led squads. Nebraska has seniors all over the place, while Indiana sports more than a few upperclassmen themselves. This will be a game in which the ground game will play a major factor in determining the outcome. So, the outlook for uh, the Cornhuskers, they're led by senior quarterback Tommy Armstrong, who provides stability in the middle. There are seniors starting everywhere, including starting running back, Terrell Newby at all the wide receiver positions and tight end. On defense, they're settling into their roles and starting to make plays, and that's a good thing under Coach Mike Riley. For Indiana, this is an offense that can spread you out and hit you in the mouth. Running back Divine Redding rushed for over 1,000 yards last season and a timeshare with now Chicago uh, Bears running back Jordan Howard. He's the lead back this season, And is handling the load. Quarterback Richard Legault has made some bad mistakes this year. Not going to lie, throwing seven interceptions so far. That can't happen today if they want to win. And the defense has played bend but don't break style of football, uh, which is a good match in this contest considering how Nebraska plays. Keys to victory for Nebraska, they need to take their shots. I know that Mike Riley will have their team play under control. But he sure required them to stress the defense since they're on the road. For Indiana, it's minimizing mistakes. That sounds cliche, but Rich Legault needs to hold on to the ball. In addition, this is a Nick Westbrook game, the breakout sophomore wide receiver. My prediction? In a matchup like this, I generally side with the home team. Nebraska is senior laden, yes, but they have to deal with a lot here in Bloomington. I see Indiana controlling the pace of the contest and putting Nebraska into a stress situation and position. Tommy Armstrong has done well this year, but in the past has had problems with turnovers and decision-making that may surface today. Look for a high-scoring contest. Indiana 34, Nebraska 31. 
I have Indiana winning outright, even though Nebraska is a three-point favorite. So that means Indiana covers. And the over-under is 57 on this game, so I'm going over at a total of 65. Another 330 contest jumps down to the ACC uh, and two teams that unfortunately had to experience home games with uh, Hurricane looming. Hurricane uh, last week was uh, looming on them. And uh, things didn't go well for either, both getting a loss. But this will be a 330 game on ABC or ESPN2, depending on which region of the country you're in. I'm down in the south in Tampa, so I'll be seeing this one on ABC. Now, the overview for this game, there's two junior quarterbacks with NFL futures in Brad Kaya and Mitch Trubisky. This could be a high-flying contest with each squad having senior burners at wide receiver that wear number three. I know that's a lot, but at the same point, it is kind of interesting that they're both led by senior receivers who wear number three that can fly. Both teams did take that loss I just described last week. Mark Rick's Miami team lost in last week's game on a blocked extra point with a minute to go. Just terrible. While Larry Fedora's team was dominated in the rain by VTech, they just handled the conditions much better. Uh, VTech did. The outlook for North Carolina, people forget how soon you forget. They played in the ACC championship game last year and was hosed on an onside kick call uh, for offsides, in my opinion. They got hosed, just period. And look to carry that momentum into the 2016 season. Now, they have a new signal caller, as I mentioned, in Mitch Trubisky, who has looked great in every game except last week's contest. He was completing over 70% of his passes on the season. This defense has gotten better each week under Gene Chizik. Yes, that Gene Chizik, former Auburn coach who won a national championship, and should show up this week uh, in the contest against Miami. Now, as far as the outlook for the home team, the Miami Hurricanes, they have one of the best defense units in the ACC, and they've given up 13 points per game this season. The offense, it'll give it will give problems to their opponents because they are led by Brad Kaya, who could be the number one overall pick next year. Yes, Deshaun Watson's my guy personally, but some people think Kaya is just a more NFL-ready prospect with how he can throw the ball. And this receiving core is a quality one. I mentioned number three, that's actually Stacy Coley, uh, Miami guy, and they should give this UNC unit fits. The keys to victory for UNC, they have to hold on to the ball. I know that sounds pretty standard, but that, that's really how they effectively lose the games. Uh, they turned the ball over way too much last week, and you saw the result. If they don't turn the ball over, they have a great chance in pulling out this victory by taking shots downfield and spreading the ball around. For Miami, don't let last week's outcome cause a hangover in this week's contest. They have to stress UNC's defense by taking deep shots to Stacey Coley and running seam routes with David Njoku. Uh, the strength of that UNC front is their front seven. So if you are able to put stress on their corners, I think that you can win this contest, Miami. My prediction Game flow should be quick as each offense looks to get big plays early. Remember, both were saddled with, you know, Miami having to play Florida State, who has good cover corners, and UNC having terrible weather. So they're going to both look to get off the schneid. In this game, turnovers will dictate pace. But I will say, and I've said this all the time, I don't like to predict turnovers. I just mention when it's a possibility. 
So the next deciding factor is location of the contest. I think Miami rebounds in this game with big plays and that home field advantage coming to the forefront. I have Miami winning this one pretty soundly, actually. 35, UNC 24. The line is 7 on this game for Miami, so I have Miami covering with that 11-point victory. And the over-under is 65, so I have this going under at 59. My confidence level on this one is kind of wavering. Reason being, I think that each defense is better than people want to believe them to be. Uh, And that's why there's such a high over-under on this game, but... We all know what can happen if turnovers get involved. That over-under, which I don't like selecting too much, can become a problem, problemsome uh, situation. So I'm picking the under in this one, but be leery of this one, folks. Stay away from the over-under on this particular game. Look for the line as it is. The next matchup at 3.30 is one that's exciting for me. I'm in Tampa I'm an SEC guy. Everyone knows that. And this is an SEC competition. This is the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one Alabama Crimson Tide, facing off against the number nine Tennessee Volunteers in Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, This will be on CBS, their game of the week. The overview, this is always a contest, no matter what people want to think, especially since uh, Butch Jones has started to put together some better squads. Last year's game was a close one as well, as these teams virtually look the exact same folks in a lot of respects uh they've gone more to spread sets but they power run out of those spread sets they have mobile quarterbacks who do have some issues throwing the ball and they have playmakers as well as very resilient teams now the outlook for the alabama crimson tide alabama has a true freshman starting a quarterback in jalen hurts He's been able to control pace, and he looked really good last week against Arkansas. On defense, they're not the same Alabama defense. I know every year it seems to change and flutter and move, but it's not. They're faster on defense, but they're not as stout up front. They just don't have that depth that they had last year, but they're still a good unit. And their corners are pretty doggone good. For Tennessee, this is a mash unit. As they have nine injured players, guys being carted off the field last week. In some respects, it seems like they shouldn't be able to field a team. But if you heard my show from earlier in the week, my football replay with CJ, I put Tennessee in my top 10, a place they hadn't been all season. Reason being is that resilience. That is one of the best teams in the country. If they're able to lose players at key positions and still be able to hold on, that's a testament to them being a good football unit and in turn being a good football team. Keys to victory for Alabama. It's getting up early and keeping and maintaining. A lot of teams have been taking the foot off the gas against Tennessee and you can't do that. My favorite book's The Art of War. One of the things they say in The Art of War, if you have an opponent down, you step on their necks. And that's the truth. You have to keep scoring points if you're Alabama. Put up as many as feasibly possible. For Tennessee, this is going to be one where they want to limit possessions for Alabama. Limit possessions and limit uh, mistakes. They're probably going to go slow. They're probably not going to try to put Alabama into a situation where they have to uh, make a lot of decisions early. Tennessee's probably just going to hit them in the mouth early. 
then and only then will they start to go fast. So that's how they can actually control plays against Alabama, put Alabama in a stress situation and get a victory. My prediction in this game, I think the injuries and the attrition finally catch up as Butch Jones squad plays against the best team that they're facing this entire season. Uh, I will make this statement preseason or when I made my initial predictions This is the only regular season game I had Alabama losing. The matchup was conducive to Tennessee winning. They have the requisite parts, including a mobile quarterback, which makes an 11-on-11 game. If you look at all of Alabama's losses under Nick Saban, that's how they lose. Whether it's been LSU with a mobile quarterback, Texas A&M, to the Cam Newtons of the world, even losing to Trevor Knight at Oklahoma or Cardell Jones. They lose to guys who make an 11-on-11 game where you have to be responsible for what the quarterback can do with his legs. Anyway, in general, I would have Tennessee winning this game, but I can't because of all the attrition, and Nick Saban is very aware of what this Tennessee squad can do. Alabama pulls this one off 34-24 against Tennessee. Alabama's a big favorite in this game. They're 13.5-point favorites. So I have Tennessee covering. I think they just keep it close to the vest. In worst case scenario, if they're down by 17 points, they're always due for scoring a late touchdown just to push things to a point where it's in striking distance. Funny enough, I make my scoring predictions before I see the over, under, or lines on the game, just so I'm not swayed. I had a 34-24 game. The over, under is 58, so I'm pushing a push on this one. Stay away from that over, under if you can, especially in a game with Tennessee, who seems to make things happen late in games. Sticking in the SEC, a 7 o'clock contest pits two top 25 teams, the number 12 Ole Miss Rebels against the number 22 Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm going to say this and get it out of the way. How the heck is Ole Miss number 12? I'm going to just leave it there. AP, I don't know what you're looking at. Anyway, these are two teams that have the pleasure of losing to have the pleasure of losing Alabama this season. Now, the games could have looked more different as Ole Miss had a not so abnormal letdown after leading big in the game while Arkansas played catch up the entire game. There's a contrast in styles here that should be very interesting. And actually cause huge scoring because what each offense does well, the opposing defense doesn't do well. So, for Ole Miss, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. That's not really saying much, to be honest, as quarterback playing the SEC has been atrocious this year. Uh, Their main objective is to get up early and run you off the field. On defense, they struggle stopping the run, which doesn't come into play if they're not scoring. And it should be a real problem against an Arkansas unit, a Brett Bielema coach team that does like to run the ball. Now, as for Arkansas, they've been known as a ground and pound unit during the Bielema era. They lost their top two running backs to the 2016 NFL draft, but they still have a stable of runners. Now, they've decided to throw the ball around a bit more than in the past with the younger Allen brother. This is likely due to what they're facing as far as competition or game flow. Being down early to Alabama forced them to throw the ball more. 
playing a TCU team that, in all honesty, you have to put points up and their secondary is mediocre. So teams like that, if you're playing a mediocre secondary, you want to put the ball in the air and not just run into a brick wall all day. The defense seems incomplete compared to expectations. They might actually do well against up-tempo teams uh, compared to the, the power game of teams like Bama or LSU that we've seen in the past. Keys to victory. For Ole Miss, it's going to be dictating pace with Chad Kelly. This is one of those situations where I think that they should play their game. They should try to make Arkansas make decisions on defense. And on defense, they have to fly at uh, quarterback Allen uh, with lots of pressure, bring blitzes. Yes, their secondary is not the best unit, and they have problems with the run. But bringing blitzes can actually help you be a better run defense. You bring what's a run blitz. A little bit of delay where you... Uh, shut down lanes late and force the running back into a position where he makes a decision and picks the wrong decision in a lot of scenarios. For Arkansas, this will really be them limiting Ole Miss's possessions. I know that they've been spreading the ball out and running spread sets, but they need to really limit the amount of offensive possessions Ole Miss has in this game and make it easier for them. On defense, Show Chad Kelly some really terrible things. The best pass Chad Kelly throws comes against cover three, and that's the seam route. So you can show three and jump those seams with cover two. Force Chad Kelly into making bad decisions because he is prone to doing so. My prediction on this game, I think there's going to be a high-flying, very interesting game to watch. I like both units really putting up points because each defense does have struggles and play incomplete games. I look for Ole Miss to come out with the victory in this one, but Arkansas really takes care of business covering the spread. Ole Miss 38, Arkansas 34. Like I said, Ole Miss is a seven and a half point favorite, but Arkansas covers. They could win outright, folks. I'm not even taking that off the table. I just do think that it's going to be a troublesome proposition to keep up the scoring with a unit like Ole Miss. And that over under 67 points, very high, but I do see this being a game where they go over 72 combined points is what I had on the board prior to seeing the over under. And now the big game, the game of the week. It's the number two Ohio State Buckeyes at the number eight Wisconsin Badgers. This will be Saturday night, 8 p.m. on ESP, uh, ABC. Sorry, it's the same network, folks. They're the same family of networks. But it'll be on ABC. It is the game of the week. Uh, And what we've had so far has been good. I'll actually say that right now. You know, the overview for this game, it's it's two teams that look to to meet in the Big Ten Championship at season's end. But they're going to clash early at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin. Two top ten teams, as I've said, playing the national game of the week on ABC And this will be the best offense that Wisconsin has seen this year and the best defense Ohio State has seen this season. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've seen epic games, including two weeks ago, where we saw that Louisville-Clemson game come down to a fourth down, not getting completed or being completed, but not being converted. And then last week, a blocked extra point. Just amazing games. So we hope to see the same type of contest in this one. Now, the outlook for the Ohio State Buckeyes Ohio State had what was considered by most 
a mediocre performance against Indiana. Personally, I think Indiana is just an underrated Big Ten opponent opponent that is that I liken to Arkansas in the SEC. They're that team that's really frustrating to play against. They don't have the same talent level, but they do what they do pretty doggone well. JT Barrett hasn't looked that great so far this season and needs to get back on track, in my opinion. For Wisconsin, the Badgers proved to be a disciplined squad at most positions, except a redshirt freshman quarterback, Alex Hornibrook. They've created offense with excellent defense and almost pulled off my predicted upset of Michigan two weeks ago. They have to get chunk plays off play action like earlier games in this season. So far, they've played teams with very similar skill sets to their own, playing the LSUs, the Michigan States, and Michigans of the world, but that's not OSU. Key to victory for, for Ohio State. They have to make things simple early on for JT Barrett. They have loads of talent on offense, but they lose to teams that take advantage of their mistakes, which describes Wisconsin. So they have to be leery of how they actually treat this game. They also have to force action against Wisconsin by blitzing early on def- and often on defense. That quarterback makes some poor choices, and you can force him into really playing non-Wisconsin football by bringing blitzes and forcing him to make throws against a talented secondary. For Wisconsin, they have to take low-risk chances. Again, I expect Ohio State to blitz and load the box, which will leave one-on-one coverage on the outside with a single high safety. The wide receiver position, especially Jazz Peavy, will be more important than Corey Clement this week as you'll see a lot of play action and force the ball down the field on the outside. That's what you do with a young quarterback that can actually throw a ball. If you see single coverage, man coverage, you have him throw it to the outside, up the field, make the safety jump one way, and then make that throw, give it a 50-50 chance, or a 50-50 ball like it's called. And for a lot of receivers these days, it's a 70-30 proposition because there's also interference that comes into play. It seems like they shouldn't have trouble with OSU as a habit of forcing bad gap integrity for their opponents on D. Uh, But I do expect TJ Watt and the rest of those guys to actually have some problems against this particular unit. They have to try to stay sound in their defense. You know, here's my prediction. Uh, the game of the week, AP, APM on ABC, has provided us with great results this season, as I mentioned earlier. I mean, let's go ahead and be honest. Even though these teams aren't evenly matched, in my opinion, you know what you're getting because you are getting two top 10 teams. So this will at least be one of those measured contests where both teams come out really amped up. But I will say this. This is a worst case scenario game for Wisconsin. Because the expectations are there having played a home game. Ohio State is due for a get-right game after the Indiana game, where I think they're really going to try to prove points tonight. We saw what happened against Oklahoma when they had to prove points against Oklahoma in Norman. And I actually think that the big lights will affect Wisconsin negatively as they're not used to playing on this level of a stage with a redshirt freshman quarterback. I'm going to say it now. This game could get out of hand late in the third or early in the fourth. I'm predicting what I, I can. I assume to be a conservative score 
Ohio State 38, Wisconsin 17. Now, the line on this game is 10.5 for Ohio State. So I have OSU covering going away. Uh, the over-under is 44. So I expect the over almost by Ohio State themselves. Uh, as I have 55 total points. If I have one for college football, this would be it. This is my stone-cold lock uh, for the week, folks. As I have Ohio State pulling this one out with a big victory. So those are my five games in under five minutes. Remember, if you want any questions, comments, things like that, games you want me to go over or touch on, hit me up on Twitter, uh, at CJFlorida9, or on the Facebook page, uh, Football Game Plan. I check both, and I will make sure to cover those things in a podcast. Uh, This is Saturday Football, folks. Just get out there. Enjoy it. Hope your team does well this week. Unless they're playing against my team, then I hope they lose. (laughs) But at the end of the day, just enjoy the games. Football's not here year-round, so you got to enjoy every week that it happens. Take care, and we'll be back next week. For the Football Game Plan Network, this is Chris James signing off.